Hello, my name is Edmond Lochu, and it brings me great joy to bring you voice note on remedies for breach of contract. I presume that you have already listened to Discharge, and at the beginning I said that we are anticipating that we have only remedies of for breach of contract and discharge of contract in the exams and that's i'm going to do this justice too if you want to go through duress a little bit it will do you some good even if not for exam purposes now let's go straight to remedies for breach of contract now this discusses the various remedies which are available to a party to a contract in the event of breach by the other party and the circumstances in which they are granted by the court. Basically, each breach of contract entitles the injured, injured party, every breach entitles the injured party to recover damages for the loss he has, he has suffered. Okay, and in some cases, the damages may be nominal or token to signify that the contract has been breached, even though no significant damage has resulted from the breach. Other remedies for breach of contract discussed in, a, this, this, in this voice note are specific performance and injunction, which are equitable remedies. Generally, they are granted at the discretion of the court. And um, generally, if a plaintiff may suffer various kinds, a plaintiff may suffer various kinds of losses consequent to a breach of contract by the other party, the plaintiff may have lost the value of the benefit he has conferred on the defendant for which he refuses to pay. For example, the plaintiff may have offered his services to the defendant who refuses to pay for it. Two, the plaintiff's claim may be based on expenditure incurred in preparing the defendant's performance. For example, costs incurred in reliance on the other party's expected performance, which could have we could have been recovered if the contract had been duly performed. For example, where a builder builds or rents a warehouse for storage of goods to be delivered by the seller under a contract of sale. Three, the plaintiff's claim may be based on the potential benefit or net profit he would have made if the contract had been performed. Four, the claim may be based on personal injury or damage to property occasioned by the breach, sometimes referred to as consequential losses. Five, the plaintiff's claim may be based on compensation for expenses incurred after the breach in attempts to reduce the loss. Okay, now let's go to recovery of damages for breach of contract. The general objective of the court in awarding damages is to, is to place the injured party or the innocent party as far as money can do it in the position that he would have been in if the breach had not occurred. Status quo ante. Now, in Royal Dutch Airlines, KLM, and another versus Farmex Limited, Farmex is F-A-R-M-E-X, Royal Dutch Airlines, and another versus Farmex Limited. The defendants entered, entered into a, an air carriage contract, contract with the plaintiffs to ship a consignment of mangoes to eventually London. The defendants failed to deliver the consignment on schedule, and when the consignment eventually reached London, the mangoes were declared unwholesome. The plaintiffs sued the defendants jointly and severally inter alia damages. The trial judge and the court of appeal held for the plaintiffs. On a further appeal to the Supreme Court, it was held that with regard to the measure of damages for breach of contract, the principle adopted by the courts was restitution in integrum. 
i.e. if the plaintiff has suffered damage not too remote he must as far as money could do so be restored to the position he could have been in had that particular damage not occurred what was required to put the plaintiffs in the position they would have been in was sufficient money to compensate them for what they had lost to it they were granted damages now the test for reasonable foreseeability or remoteness of damage listen to this it is generally recognized that it would be impractical to allow a plaintiff to recover all the losses that in fact result from a breach no matter how vast and unpredictable they may be the two concepts which have been applied by the courts to limit the quantum of damages recoverable, uh, recoverable by a plaintiff are remoteness of damages and mitigation of damages remoteness of damages and mitigation of damages a victim of a breach of contract is entitled to compensation for any loss which results from the breach as long as the loss is not too remote or one which the plaintiff could have avoided by taking reasonable steps in mitigation now remoteness of damages is this a victim of a breach of contract is entitled to compensation for any loss which results from the breach as long as the loss is not too remote too remote okay that means that it could reasonable be foreseeable it is foreseeable that this breach can happen not something that we did not expect at all now two um mitigation of damages a victim of a breach of contract is entitled to compensation for any loss which results when if one or which the plaintiff could have avoided by taking reasonable steps in mitigation with regard to remoteness of damages the general principle is that the plaintiff is only entitled to recover damages for such losses as were reasonably foreseeable as likely to result from the breach of of contract the test for the recovery of damages is therefore one of reasonable foreseeability this test was stated and explained in a classic case of hardly and baxendale now hardly and baxendale in this case the owners of a mill delivered a broken crankshaft to carriers for carriage from Gloucester to engineers in Greenwich. So it's like courier service to some engineers in Greenwich. Now the carriers delivered, delayed, they delayed for five days in delivering. It appeared that the broken crankshaft had sent was had been sent out as a pattern for a new one and until it was received the mill could not operate the bill owners claimed 300 pounds as loss of profit for the five days on which which on which work was not resumed because of the defendant delay in transporting the crankshaft the only facts communicated to the carriers were that the article was a broken crankshaft of a mill and that the plaintiffs were owners of the mill the court stated the criterion for determining the measure of damages recoverable in an action for breach of contract as follows where two parties have made a contract which which one of them has broken the damages which the other party ought to receive in respect of such breach of contract should be such as may fairly and reasonably be considered as either arising naturally i.e. in the usual course of things from such breach of contract itself or such as may reasonably be supposed to have been in the contemplation of both parties at the time they made a contract as the probable result of a breach okay now this rule is normally analyzed in two branches 
The first branch of the rule covers losses which arise naturally. Then the second branch of the rule covers losses which may reasonably be supposed to have been in the contemplation of both parties. Now, applying these principles, the court in Hadley and Baxendale said that the plaintiff could not recover for the losses of profits because such loss did not flow naturally from the breach of contract. The special circumstances that is, the fact that the mill could not operate until the return of the sharp was also not communicated to or known to the defendant as to make the loss one which reasonably should have been in their defendant's contemplation. The court found that in the usual course of things, the delay would not result in the mill being stopped because it was possible that the mill owners had a spare shaft or that the mill was def defective in some other respect. Now, that means that the loss, therefore, was not recoverable under any of the two branches of the rule in Hadley and Baxendale. Okay, it was too remote. The test of remoteness of damages did laid down in Hadley and Baxendale was reformulated and explained by Asquith LJ in the case of Victoria Laundry Limited and Newman Industries. This case, you should remember. I have a feeling, I have a feeling. Victoria Laundry Limited and Newman Industries. It says, the plaintiffs who were laundress decided to expand their business. To do so, they required a larger boiler. The defendants, an engineering, an engineering firm, contracted to sell and deliver to the plaintiffs a certain boiler of the required capacity. The defendants failed to deliver the boiler until five months later. The defendants were aware of the nature of the plaintiff's business. In an action for breach of contract, the plaintiffs claimed, one, damages for the loss of the profit they would have earned in that period, but for the delay in delivery, and two, damages for the loss of exceptional profits they would have earned on certain lucrative dying contracts they had obtained. The court held that the defendants with their engineering experience and with the knowledge of the facts possessed them could not reasonably contend that they did not contemplate that some loss of profit would result from their delay in delivering the boiler. The defendants were therefore liable for the loss of profits caused by their delay in delivering the boiler. The boiler. Now, on the issue of the profits the plaintiffs would have made on the dying contract they had made, the court took into account the fact that the defender did not know of this dying contract, so they, they could not be liable specifically for the plaintiff's loss of profit on those contracts. It is noted that the fact that the defendant in Victoria Landry Limited in the, uh, versus Newman, Limit, uh, Newman Industries was an engineering firm or a seller rather than a mere career was relevant. That means that somebody who had professional or technical knowledge, a mere defendant in that position would be expected to know more about the use to which that product is to be put than just a career service. Now, in Victoria Landry Limited and Newman Industries, Lord Asquith reformulated the rule in Hadley and Baxendale and stated the following propositions. First of all, it was observed that there is actually one rule governing the award of damages which states that the test as one of reasonable foreseeability. Upon breach of a contract, the aggrieved party is only entitled to recover such part of the loss actually resulting as was at the time of the contract reasonably foreseeable as likely to result from a breach of the contract. Three. What was at the time reasonably foreseeable depends on the knowledge then possessed by the parties or, at all events, by the party who later commits the breach. 
4. For, the, for this purpose, knowledge possessed is of two kinds, imputed knowledge and actual knowledge. 5. Everyone as a reasonable person is taken to know the ordinary course of things and therefore taken or presumed to know what loss is liable to result from such a breach of contract in the ordinary course of things. This knowledge is imputed to the defendant. So this is the subject of the first branch of the rule in Hadley and Baxendale. Okay, it, it, this is the, the, the um, it, it covers the losses which arise naturally, okay, i.e. in the ordinary course of things from the breach of the contract itself. These are referred to as general damages. Now, we said there are two kinds of knowledge. In certain cases, knowledge which the defender, the defender actually possesses of special circumstances outside the ordinary course of things, which are likely to cause additional or special losses, is taken into account. This attracts the operation of the second branch of the rule in Hadley and Baxendale. It says, such additional or special losses are only recoverable if the defendant had actual knowledge of the special circumstances and therefore should reasonably have foreseen that such additional or special losses would have resulted from his breach. These are referred to as special damages, not um, general damages. Now, in the case of Frafra and Boache, the respondent who had a, who had a contract to supply timber logs to the MIM, MIM, MIM Co Timber Company hired a tractor from the appellant at a rate of 80 slits a day to enable him haul timber logs from, for, from his timber concession in MIM, MIM, MIM. Sorry, I was caught by a call. Under the agreement, the respondent paid a deposit of 1,100 CDs. According to the respondent, the appellant assured him that his contractor was in good condition and could haul at least 30 logs a day. The respondent, however, found the tractor to be defective almost from the beginning of the hiring from the tractor hauling, with the tractor hauling a maximum of seven logs a day and a total of 60 logs during a period, a period of little over a month. Consequently, the respondent brought an action of damages for breach of contract. The trial judge awarded the respondent inter alia general damages for breach of contract. On appeal, the appellant against the award of damages, it was held on appeal against on appeal by the appellant against the award of damages, it was held inter alia that in awarding damages for the breach of contract, the test to be applied was whether on the information available to the defendant when the contract was made, he should or the reasonable man in his position should have realized that such a loss was sufficiently likely to result from the breach of contract to make it proper to hold that the loss flowed naturally from the breach, or that the loss of that kind should have been within his contemplation. In the present case, the court was right in holding that the appellant should have foreseen that the respondent would suffer loss if his tractor proved defectively. Consequently, def proved defective. Consequently, the award of general damages for the breach of contract was proper. Now, in the case of Jukeson Smith and KLM Dutch Airlines, this case to I like it. It's a very favorite case. So please avert your minds to it. Jukeson Smith versus KLM Dutch Airlines. Jukeson is J-U-X-O-N Smith versus KLM Dutch Airlines. The plaintiff who described himself as a frequent traveler, a well-known international businessman and a dealer in sophisticated mining communication and security equipment. 
bought a business class ticket from the defendant airline under an air carriage contract. The airplane was to fly the plaintiff from Accra to London, where he, he would continue his journey to Brussels, Belgium. According to the plaintiff, the reason for the trip was to enable him, the plaintiff, bid for an international contract which was worth six million US dollars. Claiming the contract, claiming that, that the breach was deliberate, which caused him to lose the bid for the said contract, the plaintiff sued at the High Court, claiming six hundred thousand US dollars or its CD equivalent as damages for the breach. This guy, I think he's a Kumasi businessman. He's very smart. The trial judge upheld the claim and awarded $50,000 as general damages and cost of 10 million CDs. On the appeal, so $50,000 as general, damage, general damages and then costs of 10 million Ghana CDs. 10 million CDs. On appeal by the defendants, the Court of Appeal drastically reduced the awards to $5,000 and 4 million CDs, respectively, on the grounds that they were excessive and unwarranted in law. The plaintiff therefore appealed to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court held unanimously dismissing appeal that where a party has sustained a loss by reason of a breach of contract, it was, so far as money could do it, be placed in the same situation with respect to damages as if the contract had been performed. In contracts for the carriage of persons, the normal measure of damages for failure to carry was the cost of obtaining substitute transport less or minus the contract price and consequential losses such as hotel expenses and the like and non-pecuniary non losses such as physical inconvenience and discomfort. So you get some uh, uh, some costs for hotel and physical inconvenience and some discomfort okay so that is all a person is entitled to now let's go to likelihood of loss likelihood of loss the test for the recovery of damages as outlined above is that the loss is recoverable if it was reasonably foreseeable as likely to result from the breach. This raises the question of how likely the loss must be in order to be recoverable. In Victoria Landry and Newman, in Newman Industries, it was stated that in order to make the contract breaker liable under the rule in Hadley and Baxendale, it suffices that if he had considered the question, he would, as a reasonable man, have concluded that the loss in question was likely to result. It indeed it, it, it need not be proved that the defendant could, as a reasonable man, foresee that a breach must necessarily result in that loss. It is enough if he could foresee that it was likely to result. It is indeed enough if the loss is a, is, is a serious possibility or a real danger. Okay? Now, in the case of Heron the second, Heron is H-E-R-O-N the second, the case involved a contract to carry a cargo of sugar to Basra or at the option of the, the, the owner to Jeddah. The option was not exercised and the ship arrived at Basra, but nine days late. Because the carrier had made deviations in breach of the contract, it was the intention of the owner to sell 
um, the sugar immediately on arrival in Basra. He did so, but the price had fallen substantially during the nine days, and he claimed the difference in damages. The defendant did not know of the plaintiff's intention to sell the sugar, but he knew there was a market for sugar in Basra, and if he had thought about the matter, he must have realized that it was not unlikely that the sugar, the sugar would be sold on arrival. He must have known that the market prices generally fluctuate, but he had no reason to suppose that the price would go down rather than up. It was held, however, that the losses which the plaintiffs incurred was not unlikely, and therefore he was entitled to the damages claimed. In the case of Roth and Tyler, Roth is W-R-O-T-H, and Tyler is W-T-Y-L-E-R, W-R-O-T-H versus T-Y-L-E-R. Roth and Tyler. The defendant failed to complete his contract to sell a house for £6,050 and the value of the house rose to £11,500. It was held that the defendant was liable to pay £5,500 as damages. A rise in the price of the house was in the contemplation of the parties when the contract was made and it is irrelevant that they never expected a rise which could nearly double the price. Now, in Parsons Limited and Atley Ingham and Co. Atley is U T T L E Y. Ingham is I N G H A M and Co. The plaintiffs, pig farmers, bought from the defendant a hopper for the purpose of storage of food for the pigs. The hopper was to be fitted with a ventilated top. The defendant sealed the ventilator for the purpose of carriage, but after installing it on the plaintiff's farm, forgot to unseal it. The plaintiffs could not detect that the hopper was closed. That means that these people are selling something called a hopper that they put pig food in, but the top of it had to be ventilated so that the, the, the pig food would not spoil. But they closed it so that they can transport it. Now listen to what happened. Because of the lack of ventilation, the pig nuts stored in the hopper became moldy. As a result of eating the moldy nuts, many of the plaintiff's pigs suffered a rare type of intestinal infection and 254 of them died. The plaintiffs brought their action for breach of contract, claiming the value of the pigs, lost sales and turnover amounting to £30,000. It was held that the defendant who sold the hopper to the plaintiffs must have seen that it was likely that the pig nuts stored in the unventilated hopper would, uh, would deteriorate and cause the pigs to be ill. Even though the pigs contracted a far worse illness than could, be, could then be foreseen, the defendants were nonetheless liable because it was enough that they should have foreseen the type or kind of damage, not necessarily that they should have foreseen the extent of damage. Now, we will stop here and go on with another voice note on the on another voice note on the assessment of damages for breach of contract for the sale of goods see you